I'll be reading uh, this morning from the Gospel of John, chapter 20. I'll start with verse 19, and we'll end with verse 30. So this is John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 30. It was the first day of the week. That evening, while the disciples were behind closed doors, because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities, Jesus came and stood among them. He said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. Thomas, the one called Didymus, one of the twelve, wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he replied, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger in the wounds left by the nails and my hand into his side, I won't believe. After eight days, his disciples were again in a house and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus entered and stood among them and he said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my side. No more disbelief. Believe. Thomas responded to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Jesus replied, do you believe because you see? Happier those who don't see and yet believe. Then Jesus did many other miraculous signs in his disciples' presence. Signs that aren't recorded in this scroll. But these things are written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ. God's Son, and that believing, you will have life in his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And may God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Amen. The preacher, Fred Craddock, who is known um, in preacher circles is one of the greatest preachers of the 20th century, used to say that this is the first Pentecost story, and that today, the first Sunday after Easter, when we typically read this story, is the day of Pentecost, not the day that we celebrate down the road that's based on um, the calendar and some other things, but needless to say, I like the idea that this is a Pentecost story, because this is the day that Jesus shows up in, in a room full of his friends who are in hiding. They're isolated. They're scared. They're in this room. They're huddled together. They're hunkering down, so to speak. And Jesus walks into the room and gives them two things. First off, he gives them peace. And the second thing he gives them is power in the name of the Holy Spirit. He breathes the Spirit on them. The communion liturgy we typically use says, 
We thank you, Lord, that you are closer to us than our breath. When God created Adam and Eve in the creation story, God breathes life into the bodies that he has formed. Our breath is a reminder of God's presence with us and the reminder of the power of the Holy Spirit because Jesus breathed the Spirit onto his disciples who in turn have passed that down throughout all of the generations. There are a couple of things that I find in this passage that are very interesting. First of all, I think it's probably known by now, I've been at Morningstar long enough, that Thomas is my famous, my favorite disciple. They call him Thomas the Doubter. I want to call him Thomas the Realist. I don't think subtlety is his uh, spiritual gift. I think when he hears something, he says how he feels about it. I think when he sees something, he believes what he's seeing. And he needs to see and touch and feel for him to be able to have full faith. And that can be a problem for some of us who are more like Thomas, who stay in our heads a lot and want to really be able to think. But at the same time, Thomas is the disciple who once he's in, he's all in. Remember, he's the one, when he found out that Jesus was wanting to go to Jerusalem, said, let's go with him, and if we die, we die. He's all in. So it's no surprise to me that Thomas isn't in the room. I don't know what he was doing, but I like to think that Thomas was out continuing the mission that Jesus had started. I like to think that Thomas was out checking in on their friends that were also in hiding. I like to think that Thomas may have been gathering supplies to bring into their place of hiding so that they would have enough to eat and enough to drink. And while he was out, he was checking in on people, continuing to make sure that orphans and widows had what they needed and fulfilling the mission of Jesus Christ, which was to bring hope and healing to a world that was broken. And while he's gone doing that, Jesus shows up in the room where the other disciples were in hiding. And I don't blame them for being in hiding at all. They were likely being hunted. And they have seen Jesus. And so Thomas comes in and he just doesn't believe them. It's not that he's doubting Jesus. It's that he's doubting his friends. But what Jesus says when he enters to that room is profound. The first thing is, my peace be with you. When Jesus shows up, Jesus brings peace. Not every time. Not all the time. And sometimes it's peace, but it certainly doesn't feel like peace. But Jesus brings peace, helps these disciples remember that things are going to be okay, that there's going to be a new normal, that they're going to get to continue doing this ministry that he has started. But what is peace? When the largest humanitarian crisis of our lifetimes is still happening in Syria, but is being forgotten because we're all hunkering down. And what is peace in the midst of a global pandemic? And what is peace 
when we realize that our world is no more ready for a pandemic than it is for a bomb to go off. In fact, maybe we're more ready for a bomb to go off than a global pandemic. And what is peace when we have public officials who are openly hoping and praying that there is no sort of natural disaster that happens in the midst of this pandemic also, because all that does is cause fear to rise up within us. So what does the peace of Jesus bring in these moments? Well, I think the peace of Jesus brings hope through the body of Christ. When I was going through ordination, there's a, it's a multi-step, long process that I think is a really good one, actually. While I was in the midst of it, I wasn't quite sure. It was just like, golly, man, just it felt like I was jumping through hoops. But now, being on the other side of it and looking back, it was a time for growth for me. It was a time of theological discovery. It was a time of being challenged. And I remember sitting in a room and being interviewed. I was in Albuquerque, and it was the first time I'd been interviewed. And I'd presented a long paper to the men and women who were in the room with me. And I was sitting there, and they were asking me lots of questions about this paper. In fact, Scott Sharp, who is on this last week's um, Morningstar Conversations podcast, was one of the people, and he asked some incredible, incredibly hard questions of me that helped me think through what it means to be a pastor. But there was a question about sin. And I remember writing about sin in this global sense. And at that time, the, the, the earthquake in Haiti uh, that had destroyed that nation and that they're still trying to recover from was at the forefront. When I wrote this paper, that was at the forefront of the news cycle. And I wrote about how where there's a world full of wealth and a nation like that that's so close to one of the wealthiest nations known to history struggles to recover the way they are that I believe that that's sinful. And that brought up a question from one of my fellow pastors of why does, does God allow or does God cause those sorts of things to happen? And where is God when bad things happen to us as individuals or us as a worldwide community? And the response that I came up with that day that I still believe is true is that God is in the response of God's people. I believe when natural disasters happen, when a pandemic strikes, when horrible things are going on around the world, God can be found in the response of God's people. So while we're at home hunkering down and and trying to flatten the curve of this pandemic, God is in us, working through us to help flatten the curve. God is showing God's self through the medical workers and the first responders and the people working in grocery stores and the people who deliver food to our homes. God is present in and through those people and in the response of us as we're all in this thing together. So the peace that Jesus brings may not feel good to us, but it's a good thing for us. 
when I was a younger guy, I, and I still, you'll, I'm, I'm about to have a conversation this week for our podcast with a missionary in Thailand who a lot of you have met before. And missionaries are called to a place of discomfort. If I felt the Spirit of God leading me and my family to move to Thailand, I cannot say that Jesus has brought peace to my life. But what I can say is that following Jesus brings peace to my life. These disciples, when Jesus walked into the room with them and said, my peace be with you, I think my response, if I had been there, was, What are you talking about, your peace be with us? We're in hiding because of what you have done. They're trying to find us and kill us because we're friends with you. How is that peace? And then Jesus breathes on them. And they receive the Holy Spirit and find that the peace of God comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus shows up and we receive power in the name of the Holy Spirit, we are empowered to do the things that God calls us and challenges us and pushes us to do regardless of whether we're comfortable with that or not. The Holy Spirit gives life to the body of Christ here on earth. The church receives life through the power of the Holy Spirit. I am so glad and so proud to get to serve a church that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. The things you all are doing, even in isolation, are evidence to me that the Holy Spirit is acting all around you. The Holy Spirit and the spirit of the and the action of the holy spirit is so hard to describe if i were sitting on these steps trying to explain to children how the holy spirit works i don't know what words i would find i would probably be like justice potter stewart who said i know it when i see it of course he wasn't talking about the holy spirit but i know or at least I think I know what it would be like to be part of a church that didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit. It'd be a dead church. And it might be able to exist for a while if it had an associate pastor who came up with crazy ideas and started things like the eights and all kinds of amazing like ministries that are just like going and happening and people are connecting through them. A dead church might be able to keep going for a while like that. And a dead church might be able to go for a while if it had a senior pastor who, you know, had a staff that made him or her look good. (laughs) A dead church might be able to go on for a little while if it had a little bit of money and could throw some really good parties and gather people together and have some fun. But that wouldn't be enough. Because it would still be a dead church without the breath of the Holy Spirit having been breathed into it. 
the Holy Spirit allows us to be alone together and still do ministry. The Holy Spirit empowers us to meet here on Tuesday morning to hand out food to people who desperately need food for their families. The Holy Spirit empowers teachers to meet online with their students and let their students know that they are loved and they are cared for. The Holy Spirit empowers nurses to go and sit with loved ones of ours who are dying in the hospital because we can't be there. The Holy Spirit empowers the body of Christ to do the things that we are doing all around the world. When you see the face of a person or persons whose lives have been changed in the name of Jesus, you are seeing the work of the Holy Spirit. When we offer water or food or shelter or clothes in the name of God, we are knowing that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. When we offer sanctuary to those who are seeking asylum, you know you're part of a church that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves mightily among the people called Morning Star. And as a realist, I can see that. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may we continue our mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.